This is Digital Pathology Today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. We're talking with Leo Grady, CEO of Page, a company developing AI-based solutions in digital pathology to optimize patient outcomes. We're going to be talking about his experiences in diagnostics, radiology, pathology, as well as artificial intelligence. We'll talk about the early history of Page, its relationship with Memorial Sloan Kettering, what products Page is working on, what the future holds, and what is their strategy for developing partnerships. It's been said that radiology is at least a decade ahead of pathology in terms of going digital, but is this accurate? Is this fair? Radiology images, after all, are digitally native, whereas pathology images are not. And what exactly do we mean by digitally native? And what is AI native? Is it going to be possible to create an AI native environment in digital pathology? This episode of Digital Pathology Today is brought to you in part by Visicall. At Visicall, we provide our clients the ability to image 10 plus labels on a single slide using our suite of multiplex immunofluorescence and digital pathology tools. Reach out to us today at 1-800-615-VISI or visicall.com. Leo Grady from Page, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, nice to finally have you on. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your early interest in digital pathology and artificial intelligence. What got you interested and how'd you get started? So my background, I did, I did a PhD in AI about 20 years ago, long before it was a hot topic that it is today. I spent the early part of my career at Siemens uh, applying AI in radiology primarily. And then I left Siemens, after almost a decade, went out to Silicon Valley and joined a company called HeartFlow, where we built a computational diagnostic test for coronary disease. We brought that test through clinical trial, FDA clearance, CPT coding, Medicare reimbursement, NICE recommendation. Then after about seven years out there in Silicon Valley, I got connected with Memorial Sloan Kettering, Thomas Cooks. They told me about Page and everything that was going on in digital pathology these days. I felt that the opportunity with working together with Memorial Sloan Kettering, the convergence of modern AI technology, cloud, other technologies, really made it possible for the first time to apply this technology in a pathology space. And there was an opportunity to really make a substantial impact across not only pathology, but really to impact patient care. I picked up from California, moved out to New York, and joined Page about two years ago. Radiology is maybe a decade ahead of us in terms of going digital and developing uh, tools for remote viewing and image analysis and, and so forth. But I think there's a lot of parallels, and we've certainly explored that in the podcast. So it's interesting to hear you had a, a background in radiology. And then the second thing is... The academic partnership is key, right, in developing a new venture because the technology can't live in a vacuum. And certainly we need access to patients. We need access to academic medical centers, well-established physicians, experts in the disease. So maybe tell us a little bit about the relationship with Memorial Sloan Kettering and how, how that came about. The history uh, before I joined was Memorial Sloan Kettering had, has often been on the leading edge of, of cancer research and cancer treatment. They saw an opportunity to leverage AI technology 2015, 2016. Uh, they developed something called the Warren Alpert Center, which was 
a computational pathology center of excellence at Memorial Sloan Kettering with, with just a number of really wonderful uh, researchers and, and uh, academic pathologists. That was the push for, for MSK to start their journey in digitization. The technology evolved. MSK built their own uh, digital slide viewer and their own platform, built this AI technology on top of it. It got to a point, a level of maturity, where it was decided that this technology could really have significant impact in the world, but it had to do so living as a company that can really industrialize that technology, scale it, support it, and really do all of the work that's necessary to bring the technology to clinicians and patients worldwide. Page got spun out of MSK and became its own separate company. I was back in about 2018 uh, where they got the first venture funding, hired the first employees, and then I joined myself in early 2019. Operationalizing these processes is a challenge. Things can live in centers of excellence like Memorial Sloan Kettering, but you know, really making them accessible to everyone, I think, is a, is a big step. And so did you have a vision of kind of what the future of digital pathology would look like, given everything you've seen before in radiology and your background in artificial intelligence? Did you have kind of a grandiose vision of the future, um, that it, things are going to look a certain way and that it's totally obvious and we just have to get there? Or are you more of an incrementalist and you're saying, here's here's the state of the art now, and here's what we have to do next, and here's what we could possibly have tomorrow. There's a lot of lessons to learn from radiology, as, as you say. You know, to say that radiology is ahead by 10 years, as, as you said, I, I, I'm not sure that that's really the right way to look at it, because that suggests that there's, there's one path to take into the future, and, and radiology is further ahead in it. I think that pathology has its own path to take into a digital future that, that's going to have some similarities with radiology and some differences as well. Uh, and I know some of your earlier guests have, have talked about some of those parallels. Um, but an, another element in that is that when radiology went digital, this was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, the technology landscape was just different at that time. And so the, the ways in which they went digital, the ways in which they handled digital slide store or yeah, digital film storage at the time and was different than what's available now. There was no AI to speak of that was mature at that point. So, you know, decisions were made for the technologies and the needs of the time. I think we have new opportunities today in pathology and different needs too. So as far as the vision goes, yes, of course. I mean, we are pursuing a, a vision for the future pathology, but this is not our vision for pathology. I mean, this is a partnership with the pathologist, ultimately to benefit the profession, to benefit the clinicians, and really to benefit the patient. We're jumping in kind of at a different time. Like you said, the state of technology is, is different. And maybe you could say, well, when radiology went digital, one of the main use cases was just getting rid of the film. Right, and when we're when we're going digital, we might be looking at it from a, a completely different uh, perspective because we're actually you know we're adding steps. So we look at it maybe from a different perspective. What benefits are there to be had? And then just the idea of developing predictive and prognostic tools and integrating AI into the workflow might not have been on anyone's radar. You know. 20, 20 years ago when radiology first went digital. It may be somewhat glib to compare the two specialties. 
you're bringing up a really important point, which is that when radiology went digital, it, it wasn't, I mean, the added value initially of digital film had nothing to do with AI. It certainly had a lot of impacts. And then later modalities like CT and MRI were digital native and you, there was no you know, analog of those. Pathology, in a way, is more intentional. When you're going digital, you're going digital for a purpose. And yes, there are efficiencies in terms of centralization and remote work and digital consults and not shifting glass around as much. I think a lot of the intentionality of going digital is really what can be done with digital and computational pathology to not only benefit the, the workflow of pathologists, but to really unlock some new possibilities that you mentioned, like prognostic and diagnostic markers. That's a, a very, I think, appropriate phrase, digital native, you know, because I think it really encapsulates, you know, what we're, how we describe that problem is that the images in radiology are digital. Printing them out on a film, you're losing uh, some of the fidelity, you're taking it out of its native environment, whereas in pathology, the native uh, environment, so to speak, is the wavelength of light and what you see on a glass light through your light microscope. So pathology is not digitally native. And I think that's a good segue into another phrase, which I think you like is AI native. And well, maybe we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I mean, I think basically the premise is that now that AI is a reality, how can we develop these systems that live in an AI native environment? I think absolutely. You know, there are a lot of analogies out there. I mean, having spent all this time in Silicon Valley, people talk about cloud-native products, uh, mobile-native, designing Facebook on a, a website and then cramming it onto the browser on your phone is not the right way to think about designing a Facebook app. An app on your phone is just different than you know, a website. There was a big shift in technology to go from web to mobile, the shift from on-prem to cloud, and people talked about mobile native, uh, cloud native. And I think the concept is that you have to really think about the entire design from the ground up with this technology at the heart of it. How do we design a workflow? How do we design a user experience? How do we design a functional product that is going to really benefit the use user in the most effective way? You know, this is what we've, the approach we've very much taken at at page is to say that, well, because pathology going digital is an intentional act, you have to be getting something out of it. And AI is the foundation of being able to drive a lot of value for the pathologist. How do we design the product? How do we design the workflow? How do we design the viewer? How do we design the workflow? How do we design the entire user experience around this technology in a way that really allows the pathologist to maximally leverage it. The idea of beginning with the end in mind or be able having the luxury, so to speak, of being able to build a system from the ground up is completely different than having to retrofit something and put something on top of a legacy system that already exists. So are there any areas, you know, of all the possibilities and possible applications of digital pathology, you know, such as uh, clinical diagnostic use, drug discovery, academic research, or really are there any areas where you can come in and utilize that kind of approach almost immediately? Yeah, I think there are, there are really two. Uh, and I think there, there are two big buckets of ways in which AI can benefit pathologists, clinicians, and patients. One is a set of technologies that really 
enhance the workflow and empower the pathologist to uh, triage cases, cases, see the right case, get additional information, be more efficient, automatically order recuts or automatically order stains, things that can really improve their whole workflow from the ground up and make their lives easier, give them the information that they need when they need it, and enhance their productivity and efficiency. So that's one group of technologies, and there's a lot to do there. There's another group of technologies. It's more in the, the direction that you were talking about with drug discovery and, and diagnostics, which is a lot of pathologists have said to me, and I've heard you say too, Joe, that there, there's a lot of information, extraordinary amounts of information in this tissue in the H&E itself. To be able to mine through large amounts of data to extract those patterns and signatures out of the tissue that can be prognostic, that provide additional diagnostic information, that can identify phenotypic changes of underlying molecular changes in the tissue. There's a whole host of new possibilities that go beyond just enhancing the pathologist's workflow to really provide new information, new insights, new tests, new prognostic markers that can really benefit the patients and, and take pathology into a new space. I think there may be some misconceptions about artificial intelligence. And so, you know, I think people think, well, they just jump to the, to the case of the AI system making a diagnosis or adding predictive and prognostic information. Practically speaking, as you alluded to, the AI is going to be involved in workflow solutions, day-to-day -day problems that we have now, how to triage cases, how to get to the, the right case, to the right pathologist at the right time, how do we order recuts, you know, special stains, immunohistochemistry. Realistically, if a lab were to adopt a system tomorrow, what, what benefits could they, could they get? How is it going to enhance their practice? Well, I think you're touching on a really important point. I want to make sure I address it before going on, which is is what is AI? You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about it. And I think there's often uh, a tendency to uh, conflate AI uh, as both a technology and as a product. And I think it's important to understand that, that AI is not a product. AI is a technology that allows you to build products. It allows you to build a whole variety of different products and, or, and you know, tools for doctors and, and, and patients but it's not a product by itself. AI, at its core, it's complex pattern matching. AI is, is all around us. It's been in use in uh, technology in our personal lives for decades. I mean, everything from you know, mailing envelopes at the post office to credit card fraud alerts to Netflix uh, movie recommendations, face recognition on your phone to unlock it. All of this is, is AI, and it's true... We don't think of it that way, but it's all exactly the same kind of technology that we're talking about. So oftentimes when people you know, bring up, use the term AI, it, it moves in this direction of thinking about you know, robot doctors and, and whatnot. But at its core, it's complex pattern matching, and that technology has advanced in many ways. We can do things we couldn't do before, but it has to be used to build that technology has to be used to build products that are actually useful to people. In consumer technology, there's AI 
everywhere, right? Amazon, Netflix, credit card fraud, like you said. And so how come that hasn't translated? Or are we lagging in medicine or pathology? Or have there been any obstacles to implementing these kinds of solutions? It's funny because I, I get asked this question all the time. How come there's no AI in healthcare? The fact is that AI is all through healthcare as well. It's just not thought of as AI, right? When you do a, a mammoprint test or an oncotype DX test, what are they doing? Well, they're, they're measuring lots and lots of variables, and they've done complex pattern matching to match those variables to the outcomes of patients. It's AI technology. It's sort of an earlier form of AI technology, but it's exactly the same kind of complex pattern matching. When you, when we built at HeartFlow, which takes in a cardiac CT image, uses a combination of AI and, and com computational fluid dynamics. You could calculate blood flow in coronary arteries. This is a clinical product. It's being used throughout the world now. That AI is a, a core part of that. You know, Butterfly has this handheld ultrasound. A, a lot of the image processing that goes into making that technology affordable is AI. Intuitive Surgical with the Da Vinci robots, full of AI applications inside there. Even GE and Siemens, when they reconstruct cardiac CT images, not just cardiac CT, but any CT, it's usually AI applications running in the background on the image reconstruction. So what I would, what I would argue is that AI is already here in medicine. It's woven throughout medicine as well, but people don't talk about it as AI. They don't think of it as AI. Uh, they just think of this as useful technologies and products that, that help them do their work and, and care for patients better. So we have the tools, and it's perhaps running behind the scenes, and we may not be acutely aware of it, but it's here. That's a good segue. So what has Paige been working on, specifically which products and solutions, and what, what do you currently have to offer? Well, we started with prostate cancer for a variety of reasons and built Page Prostate, which will perform a variety of different tasks to help a pathologist sign out prostate cases and also do research in prostate cancer. Uh, we received FDA breakthrough designation for Page Prostate two years ago, and, and we also received CE mark for Page Prostate to be used clinically in Europe. And then in the spirit of what we were talking about earlier, uh, we built an AI-native platform around this technology, which includes a viewer, storage, a whole workflow uh, opportunity that, that the AI can plug into to really enhance the, uh, the workflow of the pathologist throughout the, uh, the entire case. And so that platform, the viewer, is also FDA cleared for primary diagnosis uh, with the Philips scanners. That is uh, available today in the U.S. And it's also CE marked for clinical use in Europe. Page Prostate, does it offer diagnostic assist or for QA purposes or secondary reads? So there's a variety of, of tools in there to help find cancer, to help grade cancer, to quantify the cancer. In the scheme of the workflow, where does it fit in? So let's say I have a scanner, I have an LIS system where I report the results and issue information to the ordering physicians. Does your solution fit right in between there or do we need anything else? We can plug the, uh, the page platform into different LISs. Our whole system is, is purely 
vendor agnostic. We have partnerships with Apredia, with Leica, with Philips, and we've also integrated with a variety of different LIS systems. Our intention is to be fully interoperable with whatever other IT decisions that you've made within your hospital. Prostate is a very unique use case for, for many reasons. I think the dynamics between pathologists and urologists are interesting. I think the history of reimbursement uh, is interesting. You're generally looking for, you're trying to solve the same problem every time. Is there, is there cancer here or not? And then if so, yes. How much is it? What's the Gleason grading? And then there's a very specific pathway to follow if you need diagnostic support with PIN4 cocktails and other immunohistochemical markers. I think that was a good place to jump in. Do you see any other uh, organ systems or tissue types on the on the horizon that you're working on solutions for? We're, we're working on quite a number of them right now because of our partnership with uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering and some of our other partnerships. We have the opportunity with quite a bit of data and expertise to be able to develop a very substantial roadmap to build out a full portfolio across a variety of different tissue types and applications. The one that we've, we've announced publicly is the breast cancer application, which receives CE mark in Europe and is, is undergoing evaluation uh, at a number of sites today. You alluded to regulatory aspects. So of course we have the FDA and then we have the CE mark in the European Union. Uh, so what have you learned in those endeavors, taking products through the processes? You know, first of all, any, any lessons learned, anything you didn't expect, and then maybe what stands out as differences between the European Union and the FDA? Well, the European Union and the FDA uh, certainly approach medical devices and software medical devices differently. Classically, the CE IVD pathway has been a different standard of evidence than the FDA for these types of products. Although, as you may know, the IVD rules in Europe are changing. They are starting to look at these technologies in a different way where they're asking very reasonable questions about higher burdens of proof of the safety and efficacy of the uh, technologies. Uh, in the US, you know, obviously everything is regulated by the FDA. The FDA, I think, has really been very progressive in the way in which they have looked at software as a medical device, looked at AI applications. Certainly, I had experience with them when I was at Siemens applying this technology in radiology, had a lot of interactions with the agency at HeartFlow uh, when we were building this, this cardiology application. And honestly, I think that the uh, standards that they Old companies too are, are very appropriate given the stakes that, that we're operating with in terms of uh, demonstrating safety and efficacy of the technologies. In terms of lessons learned, I would say that that in many ways FDA is is using a lot of the same uh, approaches to regulating pathology as they are with other areas of medicine and software as a medical device. But there certainly are some differences with pathology, and, and there's less precedent in pathology. So there were, there's more pioneering effort, both in the terms of the, the companies as well as the, uh, the agency and, and how those technologies are being regulated. 
Pathology is in a unique space in terms of, of regulation. I think pathology is the practice of medicine, and we're operating laboratories, issuing diagnoses, signed off on by licensed physicians. So to try to regulate that in the under the same umbrella as you would with a device, I think has because you know has caused a little bit of consternation or or uncertainty. So I think I think we're finally emerging emerging from that uncertainty. But I think it's been very interesting times. No company can do it all. You have to partner, I think we're, we're learning. And so do you have a philosophy about partnering? Are there areas or capabilities where, you know, it wouldn't make sense for Page to develop the tools either with hardware, software, AI applications? How do you go about identifying holes or unmet needs? And then how do you go about identifying partners to work with? We certainly are partnering with a variety of different companies across the space. First of all, Page does not make hardware. I don't see us ever making hardware. We have to partner with all of the scanner manufacturers. So that's certainly one element of partnership that we have invested a lot of time working with, with Apridia and Leica and Philips, you know, how to enable pathologists to really leverage this technology to its maximum. Another is with another sphere of partnership is, you know, as you mentioned with the LIS vendors, the LIS is, is really the backbone of a lot of labs. So we need to make that connection very effective for everyone involved. We've also partnered with a variety of different diagnostics companies. You know, the partnership that we have with Agendia was announced last year to build an AI-enhanced version of their mammoprint test. And we also have partnerships with a number of the pharma companies. You know, most prominently Johnson & Johnson, uh, Janssen, who also invested in Page in our last round. So we're partnering across a variety of different companies and, and, and teams. Even in the software space, just an enormous ocean of applications and pathologists. In pathology, I mean, pathologists do so many different things. Pathologists do so many things. And the, so I think you're right. There's, there's no shortage of solutions we can come up with. Leo Grady from Page, thank you so much for being with us. Before we wrap up, maybe just tell us a little bit about what excites you and where do you see the field evolving in the next 10 years or so? Well, there's, there's a lot. I think this is just an incredible time to be in the field. What I see is so many labs are thinking about digital across a variety of different aspirations, different opportunities. You see the pharma companies moving, diagnostic companies moving. Tissue holds so much promise, and I think it's really has not been fully realized. And AI provides this, this really new angle, this, this new technology that allows us to get more out of tissue uh, to the benefit of pathologists, clinicians, patients, pharma, and we are really just at the cusp of that field moving in multiple different directions. So I'm incredibly excited about the field, the position about working together with, with some big labs, hospitals, and other companies. Just, we're just on the cusp of something big. I, I like that. Leo Grady from Page has been our guest. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.